you have limited time? And do you have friends with unlimited needs? If you are a caring person, then you have people who come to you regularly. And if you're not careful, these people can chew up your time like nobody's business. And you can feel the pinch even to the point to where it really encroaches over into your more important relationships, the, the relationships that are closer to you and, and even the ones that God has called you to steward in a more effective way. This is one of the common issues with loving people, caring people who care about others, Christians specifically who have a desire to counsel, to disciple, to bring God's Word to bear on troubled souls. I tell people that I am in the sin business. What that means is, is is that sin is a pandemic problem. We're all fallen. We're fallen people living in a fallen world. We have fallen needs and fallen problems every day of our lives, and we need help. And so people reach out to help. And if you raise the flag that you are a helping person, a caring person, if the word gets out on you that you are a helping and caring person, you have biblical advice, guess what? <laughs> They're going to come a-running they're going to come a running and they're, they're, they're want, they will want to know answers. I was just coaching a gentleman today in Texas, Michael. It was good to meet with you again. Thank you for reading my book, Get Ready with Your Fiance. Thank you also for listening to other podcasts. I wanted to mention you here to say, just to say thank you. I, I appreciate uh, the fact that you do listen, listen to our resources. And I was just telling him that, you know, when you, when you have something that you're passionate about and something that you're good at doing, now in this, in this case, in this context of what I'm talking about is helping other people. Well, people are needy. I am needy. You are needy. And if you're good at it or somewhat good at it and you really love people, well, you're going to find yourself really busy. I teach this in churches as well. I talk to them about it. If you raise the counseling flag and you tell your church and your community that you do biblical counseling and you're going to help people and this is what we are about, they will come a-running. They will run you over trying to get through your door because they won't help. And this will create a problem. And therefore, I want to talk about this on this podcast today because there are many of us that are struggling and don't really know, don't have good ideas or good handles on on how to manage your time or how to steward their time. And so this podcast, it is for you. And I, I trust that it will uh, help you. Also, if you want to talk about it, we have forums for you. And I would encourage you uh, to get on our free community forums and ask questions. You can do that. It doesn't matter where you live as long as you have access to the Internet. And if you have access, get on our website. Make sure that you... You log in, the username is free, the password is free, and that you log in and ask your question. I have, uh, looks like I have seven, six or seven different forum responses that I've got to make after I finish this podcast. I've already responded to some earlier this morning, and there, there is more. And so if you want us to help, we would love to, to help you talk about this idea specifically, but we'll talk to you about anything else as well. But if you want to talk about stewarding your time, redeeming the time, using your time wisely, the value of saying no. Some people just just don't say no. I call it mercy run amok. It is mercy, but it's mercy laced with fear of man. 
The individual doesn't have the courage or the backbone uh, to turn people away or to say, no, I'm not going to uh, help you in this context, in this venue, but I will help you in this place and when the time is right. And so there's some courage that's needed. Fear must be mortified when you're in the helping profession. So I want to talk about it in just a moment, but I want to say thank you to Paige. Paige put a note uh, on our, I think it was maybe Facebook, I'm not sure, but she said this. She said, profoundly deep and mature biblical teaching and real-life application. I purchased two of Rick's books and heartily recommend this site. His teachings and books are uh, uh, books to everyone desiring to truly know. I'm sorry, let me try this again. His teachings and books to everyone desiring to truly grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paige, thank you so much for that kind comment. Thank you also for uh, purchasing two of my books, whichever two they were. I'm very grateful for that. Paige, would you go on our Amazon page and would you write a review for those two books? I would appreciate that. Would you take the time, take five minutes, ten minutes, and write a review for both of those books. And also, for anyone else who's read a book, Michael, you read Get Ready, my marriage book with your fiancé, and would you go on Amazon and write a review? And I think you read Change Me as well. Would you write a review for that, Michael? And the rest of you, would you do the same? Because that will, that will help us to get the word out to more and more people if there are reviews, and I would greatly appreciate it. If you want to read this article, all of our Your Daily Drive articles, or podcasts rather, are in article format. And so here's the title of this one. If you have limited time and friends with unlimited needs, well then I want you to read this article. I have two infographics here as well. And so I would love for you to look at these infographics and uh, they will help you. And use these as teaching mechanisms in your whatever class you are teaching, show these visuals. Jesus was a master at painting pictures with his words, and he used the visual to communicate theological truths. And so use these visuals that we have on our website. These two infographics that I have here are, are two of over a hundred and something infographics that we have. And so I would encourage you to do that. I also have three articles here in addition to this one, and you can read those. Uh, it would encourage you, it will help you in this idea of discipleship. So, if you have limited time and you have friends with unlimited needs, you can turn it around, and maybe this is you. I doubt it, but this is possibly you. Let me ask it this way. Do you have unlimited time? Do you have friends with a lot of needs? If you have unlimited time and you have friends with a lot of needs, you are a blessed person, and so are your friends. You have the time, and they have the issues. What a beautiful world. Now, sadly, the bad news for me is I don't live in your world. The truth is, it's a daily challenge for me to find the sweet spot where my limited time that I have and individuals' unlimited needs can coexist without tension. Now, I have worked through this. I've spent a good part of my adult life thinking about the very thing that I'm sharing with you. So let me give you some context. We help hundreds of thousands of people annually 
We help people all over the world monthly. We help thousands of people every day. And so what I mean by that, and I don't mean it in a bragging way, I really don't, but I want you to get some context that I have plenty of time for myself. I have plenty of time for my wife and my children. We have a lot of family time. I have a lot of marriage time. I have a lot of personal time and able to accomplish a whole lot by the grace of God. And I do want you to hear that in the sense in which I am communicating it to you because what I'm saying here is that if you don't have time and if people are overrunning you with their problems, well, if you're meeting more than thousands of people every day, then, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I can help you. But if you're not meeting the needs of thousands of people every day, but you're still overrun and, and you're exhausted and burning out and don't have the time and it's encroaching in on your quiet, your time with God, your quiet time, your physical exercise time, your time with your wife and family, then you, you have a problem. And I want you to listen to what I'm saying and we need to talk about it because there's something wrong. For me, it is a daily challenge to find the sweet spot where my limited time and, my, and, and people's unlimited needs can coexist without tension. Typically, the folks with needs far surpass the amount of time I have to help them. Now, I suspect if you are a caring person with at least a, a moderate leadership gift, there is a nagging disparity between your daily time allotments and the number of people who want to get together with you. And if you're like me, one of the most important things you can do today is reevaluate how you spend your time, specifically as it relates to those who want a piece of you. Now, I don't struggle with this hardly at all, not anymore. I've learned the value of saying no. I've, I've learned how to, to live my life from a time management perspective. Now, when I, I'm not communicating that I'm so structured that there are no pneumatic moments, that there's no time for the Spirit of God to bring something into my life and to help me to interact with another person. No, I'm not that structured. Some people can be so structured that there is no pneumatic life about them at all. But then there are other people who are so spontaneous that they don't get anything accomplished, whichever the way the wind blows. And by the way, the wind are the people in that individual's life. And they just blow him or blow her all over the place because they're so spontaneous. And so there's a real practical reality between spontaneity and structure. And by the mercy of God, the grace of God, He has trained me to live between those two ditches. I like to think about redemptive time stewardship practices in concentric circles that work out from the most vital to the least important. You know what concentric circles are? Concentric circles, they have a common center point, but each circle is larger than the last one, and so it continues to grow out to the farthest ring circle. That's what a concentric circles are. And so when I think about my time management principles, if you want to call it that, this is, this is how I think about it. This is how I talk about it. This is how Lucia and I talk about it. It's how we instruct our children. In fact, we've had this conversation over the past couple of weeks about how 
uh, who to say no to and who to say yes to and, and how to steward our time uh, in ways that are pleasing to God, but also they're refreshing to us where we're not overrun with the work that is in front of us. And so the way that I do that with these concentric circles is I, I work out from the most vital people in my life to the least important. Now, I believe I need to give a, a little footnote here when I say least important. When I talk about the least important people, I am talking about how much time I can give that individual. I am not making a statement about the quality of a person's being. Every person is equally important, saved or lost, because God made every person in His image. Being a creation of God makes a person significant. And so when I talk about moving from my most vital relationships, which is the tightest circle in my concentric circles, to those of the least important, I am not talking about their ontology. I am talking about how God-given importance, being made in the image of God, does not automatically give everybody an all-access pass to my calendar. I do want to be clear about that. If you have an equality about who gets an all-access pass to your life, you are going to bog down quickly, and it will be hard for you to help many people at all. And so with this view of importance in view, I want to give you a list in order of importance of the people who get my time. I have a list of 10 things here. Now, this list will not mirror yours because your life is not mine. And so while you listen to my list and how I divvy up my day and my time allotments and, and who gets the most and the best of my time, I want you to think about how this applies to you. I would appeal to you to, to get a, a sheet of paper out or on your computer and you make a list of you know, 1 to 5, 1 to 10, whatever these circles are, but you make a list and figure out who's who. And also remember that this is not a, an in-stone list because people move in and out of this list. They move from, from inner circle to outer circle and outer circle to inner circle, depending on the season of life and how we continue to grow to continue to relate to each other. And so it's not an in-stone list, but right now, where you are today, you need to make a list. Who's most important? Who's least important as far as time allotments? And then that will help you to structure your day. And so here's my list of 10. The center circle, the most important person in my life, is me. I am number one. If I do not take care of my spiritual and physical selves, I will not be in any position or shape to take care of anyone else. And the same goes for you. Now, I realize there's some spiritual things in our life that are somewhat unchangeable, and I know there's physical things in our lives that are also unchangeable, and so I'm not talking about beating yourself up for things that you can't change, 
But I'm talking about the things that you can change. If there are spiritual and physical things in your life that you are stubbornly or you, whatever the reason is, you're not doing what you need to do. As James said in 4.17, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin. And so if there are things that you can work on, need to be addressing in your physical or spiritual life, you need to be doing that. God and I time is the best time of any person's day. And in that sense, and in the context of what I'm talking about here, you are right to point your index finger skyward and say, I am number one. As I was talking to my children about this the other day during dinner, I told them you can get one of those uh, foam hands that they have at sporting events that has the index finger pointing upward where they like to yell in front of the camera, I'm number one, I'm number one. You can get one of those and you can say, I am number one, because here, here's the main idea. If you don't take care of you, you will not be able to take care of them. It's critical that you get this. And I'm talking about both parts of you, the organic and the non-organic, the spiritual and the physical. I am number one. Number two, guess what? Now, if you can't, if you can't answer who is number one and who is number two as far as most important in your life, or if you answer it incorrectly, you're already in a mess. Now, I'm speaking to those of you who are married. The answer is your spouse. My wife is number two. She is my flesh. We are one to hate my body, to use Paul's language, which she is part of. It makes no sense. Plus, it's an unbiblical position to take. Paul's language in 529 of Ephesians is very clear. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. If your spouse, wife, if your husband doesn't get your best time, husband, if your wife doesn't get your best time outside of you, you're number one, well, then there is something wrong with your marriage. Now, perhaps, and I know because people come to our forum, seems like every day saying that's ideal and that would be nice, but here's the inhibitors. My spouse won't do X, Y, Z. We can't, you know, because, and I understand that. I really do. You have a marriage problem. I mean, in fact, the reason you have the marriage problem is because this has not been true for you. From the day that you got married until now, if your spouse had been number one, that goes for both of you. It's a two-way street. If they had been number two and you've not been so selfish, whoever's been in self, whoever's selfish in the relationship, you wouldn't even have these problems and so number one, the most centerpiece circle is you. Number two, the outer ring is your wife. And then the ring that is outside of that, if you have children. For me, my children are number three. They are not more important than my wife when it comes to time. They are more important than anyone else in my life. And the reason that it's so beneficial to have this fixed in your mind is because when people do come to you, I've said this in other podcasts, and I'll say it here. 
In our family, we call everything that we do a meeting. If I'm going to a movie with my family, I go to a meeting. If I'm being intimate with my wife, I'm having a meeting. If I'm taking one of my children out for a burger or whatever, I'm having a meeting. If I'm watching TV with, with my daughter, we've been watching uh, Heartland uh, for the past few days or weeks, uh, weeks rather, I'm having a meeting with my daughter. We're having a wonderful time talking about and enjoying this television series. We call them meetings, and so when people ask and they say, hey, can I talk to Rick? Lucia automatically knows, that, well, he's in a meeting right now, and we don't explain it, what the meeting may be, but I'm in a meeting now, and when I have a meeting with my children, there's not a more important meeting in the universe than that one. It doesn't matter who calls. And so my children are number three. Number four are my students, my mastermind team. You see, there are select individuals who have come to me and come to this ministry, and they have committed to me, and they have committed to this ministry, and they expect me to train them in the skill of discipleship. It is rare for any day to pass where I'm not interacting with some member of this elite team. I've already talked to them some today, or, or one or two of them. I will talk to more later on. They have made a significant commitment. They're spending two to three to four years with me, and I'm going to give them my best time outside of my children, my wife, and, and myself. Number five are those who support our ministry. The folks who support our ministry are, are underwriting our ministry. They're giving us financial support that allows us to... It's one of the ways that we can meet with 100,000 people in a, a plus in a year's time. And so by becoming members, they receive my next level of care. I can spend upwards to 14 hours a day serving them through answering questions and content creation. They're that important to me. And so my innermost circle is me. The next circle is my wife. The third circle, growing larger, is my, are my children. The fourth circle is our mastermind students. The fifth circle are those who underwrite our ministry by financially supporting it. Number six are my church folks and long-term friends. I do not inter interact with every person in my local church on a deep and personal level. I do have a, a close network of friends inside and outside of the church, and we interact with during the week, during the month. These are the people that know me the best, or they know me better than the other people that I'm going to mention later, but this is circle number six. Number seven are my relatives. This is my extended family, and due to time and busyness and distance geography, I have limited interaction with them. Though we could be a closer network of friends, I just they're not in my immediate circle of where I travel. They go to their own churches, they have their own relationships, they have their own families, and that is fine. And so they don't, they rarely will they get to the level of people of my closer network of friends that I've outlined in one through six above. Number eight, these are my casual friends. These are the people that I have met and engaged at different times over the decades. We move in and out of each other's lives, picking up where we left off. 
while enjoying whatever brief encounters that we may have, but there's no real continuity there. Uh, we can love each other and love the limited time that we have, but as far as building day-to-day -day in each other's lives, similar to relatives, but even more sporadic than that, love them dearly, but we really are casual friends. Then number nine is my social media community. These are cyber friends who I only know these folks cyberly. We're not into each other's lives at any depth, and I would not call I would not call any of them if I had a critical need. I just I only know half of their lives anyway, if I know that much. We are casual at best because it's not possible, nor is it appropriate to know all the details of our lives. Social media relationships are mostly safe, risk-free, and low-committal. And so they are way out on the outer rings of my, of my friends, so to speak. And then finally, the multitudes. This group is similar to my social media crowd. They are strangers whom I run into as I go in and out of my daily affairs. These people represent opportunities to share Christ, opportunities to uplift a soul, Opportunities to model the Savior while bringing fame to God's name. Everybody that I know fits somewhere within this list of ten. And what I would encourage you to do is to create your own list. Come up with however it is and, and then figure out, and that will help you. Now, there's more that you need as far as time management principles, but this is a foundational idea. The model of relationships that I just shared with you follows somewhat loosely of how Jesus seemed to spend his time. His priority was himself and his relationship with God. And you see that throughout the four Gospels. Then he appeared to have an inner circle of friends, namely Peter, James, and John. His circle of relationships grew to the other nine disciples. And then he had a close network of friends. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, Zacchaeus, Nicodemus, etc. And then there were the multitudes. And then the farthest out, there was the religious crowd, the Pharisees. And his interactions with them, the time that he gave them, how he thought about them, it was appropriate to the circle in which they were. Jesus was a finite man, and this is the big idea here. He was a finite man who had to make decisions regarding where and with whom he spent his time. Even his relatives could not get on his inner circle. You remember what he told the disciples when his relatives were trying to get in the house. He said, who is my mother? Who, is my, who are my brothers? It's those who do the will of God. While he loved everyone, he did not give everyone his undivided attention. He was a finite man. And we would be wise to learn to follow his leadership in this matter. And as I said earlier, this is just one snapshot, one snippet when it comes to time management principles. There's a whole lot of other things that you need to know. And if you want to talk about any aspect of this, or if you want more tips or more advice, I would encourage you to come to our forums and you can ask the question. If you are a free member, I'm glad you're here. Get on our free community forums and you can ask your question there and we'll be more than happy to interact with you. I've written a lot uh, about this in other places, and I'll be more than happy to lead you to uh, those resources so that you can read for yourself. If you are a supporting member, go to our private forum. You have top priority. 
even over our free members, because again, you've taken the time because you can and you're willing to underwrite our ministry. And so we don't push you to to decide. You get our more important time and we do want to serve you. If there's something else that you want to talk about, then I would encourage you to talk about that as well. Our forums are quite active. People do come and they do talk about virtually anything under the sun, and I'm very glad about that. And so get on our forums and and then ask your questions, whatever they may be. The title of this podcast and the title of the article, If You Have Limited Time, and by the way, you do have limited time. And if you have friends with unlimited needs, if you are a Christian, you should have friends with unlimited needs. There's no, There should be no such thing as an isolated Christian or an uncaring Christian. Whatever ability that you have, whatever wisdom God has given you at this point, you need to be sharing that with other people. You need to be actively intrusive in other people's lives. And as that continues to grow, uh, people will continue to come to you, and you must have a way, you must have a relational methodology to interact with these people. As I like to say, we never turn anybody away. By the grace of God, this ministry will be 11 years old in this summer. We started in 2008. And in this entire time, we have never turned anyone away. But you cannot do that without thinking through a process, not to be so structured that there's no spontaneity, but not so much spontaneity that you can't get anything else done. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.